Welcome to the Next Brave Thing podcast. My name is Ella Hooper, and I believe that breakthrough is on the other side of bravery. This podcast features brave stories, emotional health, and creativity to inspire you to take your next brave step. Yeah, so Marcus, welcome back to my podcast. It's so good to have you back. Um, Thanks, Ella. Happy to be back. Yeah. And for everyone who uh, doesn't know, Marcus came on my podcast with his wife, Bree, and talked about, it's the one titled Green Lights. Um, but we originally met in Reading, and that whole episode was about your move to San Diego. Yep. And so many, actually, I had someone reach out, and they were like, I'm going through a season of transition, and that podcast so helped mm. me. So... I love that. It was a yeah. fun one. It, it was is both fun. wildly fun and wildly scary. Yeah. To to transition is uh-huh. scary. Yeah. To make the jump, to say yes to adventure. Yes. Um, it's been really fun. And also change is hard. Change is hard. Totally. And um Marcus, when I first started teaching wholehearted artists, I had something like 26 weeks to fill of content. <laughs> And I was like, shoot, I haven't got that much content. <laughs> Marcus, come help me teach wholehearted artists. So you came and taught and everybody raved about you. Like you're mm-hmm. such a great teacher and you're a life consultant. And um, But I felt like one of the topics that you taught on, <laughs> which was amazing, was on what it means to be a powerful person. And I think that people kind of have these extreme perspectives around what it means to be powerful or they view people of like, don't be a victim, you're a victim. Mm. And there's kind of extreme extremes when Mm. it comes to talking about power and being empowered and what that means. Totally. um, Yeah, I'm excited to have you on and we'll dive right into the topic of what it means to be powerful. Love it. So I guess like starting off, um. Yeah, what does it mean to be powerful? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, well, when I read this, because she sent me like some questions at a time, I thought, oh, I have so many different thoughts about being powerful. Yeah. But so much I think of being powerful is really being present with yourself. And when you're present with yourself and connected to yourself, then you can make choices out of what your heart actually wants to do, what feels right for you um, versus a reaction to a system. So even like I have so many people who are like, I feel powerless. And so being powerful is I'm going to say whatever I want, whenever I want, or, or being powerful is I never have opinions. I'm having opinions about everything and I don't care who's in my way, Mm -hmm. which I get that as humans, we often swing to get out of a system. But actually for me, I've learned more and more that in the places where I felt powerless, if I learned to be present and connected to my own heart, then I feel powerful and do I want to make this choice or not? Mm. If I'm just reacting, then it's, I have to have a voice or else. If I'm present with myself, then I get to ask, do I really care about this? Mm. Do I really want to say something? And maybe the answer is yes. And so powerful is having a voice. And maybe the answer is like, oh, I actually don't care. And I'm totally at peace not saying anything. Yeah. So the more present we are with ourselves, the more connected we are to our true selves, the more we're actually walking out what it looks like to live a powerful lifestyle. Yeah. And that's like a deep internal calm. You're okay with you. Totally. There's 
a verse in the Bible that talks about being a wave tossed back and forth. Yeah. And I often think being powerful feels like I'm not constantly being tossed back and forth. And that happens when I'm connected to myself and present with myself. Yeah. When I know how to navigate my internal world, then even if life is throwing waves, like even if there's like, oh, I'm in a season where there's lots of waves, I can be okay because I'm okay with me. I know how to walk out my own peace and presence. And so it doesn't really matter what's happening outside of me. Yeah. And you've really like to be present, you've really done the work of like finding an inner resource to stabilize yourself. So you're not like trying to get it from someone else's validation of you. Totally. Even actually, was just thinking when you look at the life of Jesus, he was so powerful and being powerful for him meant sometimes he was really confrontational. Yeah. And sometimes they were mad because he said nothing. Like they were like, if you're really the king of the Jews, tell us. He's like, silence, not a, not a word. And then sometimes, sometimes he's like, yeah, and this is what happened. And this is why it happened. And this is like being like powerful is in connection to yourself knowing do I want to say something here? Do I not? Do I want to pivot here? Do I not? And it's in connection to knowing who you are. Yeah, that's so good. I think I can really relate to feeling powerless um, and being at the mercy of someone. Like even like I think in your work environment or your family environment, you can feel really powerless. Um, how would you describe what it means to be powerless? So much I think of being powerless at any place where, well, there's a lot of things actually, but one, because this happens a lot in marriage. I am married. I have a kid. Also parenting has been something where I felt so powerless. I'm like, oh my gosh, because I feel the most out of control I've ever felt. But any place where I have realized, or I've started to believe that I have no options. Mm. Any place where I started to believe, started to believe that I'm the victim to someone else or a, a different system where I can't see a space where I can feel like I have choice. I can't see a space where I can see any part of ownership on my own side. I've gone into a powerless system. Mm. Even in marriage, there I was talking to my wife today, and we were remembering uh, the first like the first year we moved here. She was really really triggered, which I get. Like her whole life had changed, and then we got pregnant. So it's like all the big things that can change happen in one season, and she got really. Like she was just in a season of a lot of triggers. Yeah. And in that, what I did is I started tiptoeing around her. Like, oh, she's triggered a lot. I'm going to, I'm not going to bring up hard conversations. I'm not going to bring up anything that I thought might set her off. I shut down inside of me and I started to feel powerless to her. I started to feel like she's like the big bad monster who's stomping around. She she wasn't stomping, but like that's how it felt inside. Like, oh, she's like the ticking time mom. And so I have to withdraw and shut down and I have to pretend like I'm happy. And I realized I'm feeling so like all of a sudden I was like, I feel secretly bitter, I think. Yeah. (laughs) And I had to own, yeah, resentment. And I was like, wait a minute. This is the resentment, the system of tiptoeing is me. I had to own, I did this. Like she didn't say, I want you to tiptoe around me. Don't have opinions. Don't share your feelings. That was me in my system from growing up, where in my family, whoever the big emotions wins, so that the biggest, loudest person, they got to matter and everyone else dealt with it. So like my dad, he had anger. When he had anger, he mattered most. My mom, if she felt big, explosive emotions, she mattered most. And I had to own 
I am playing into roles that I learned growing up and that's not my wife's fault. Wow. But for a year, I felt powerless. I felt like you're doing this thing to me. There's no, there's nothing I can do about it. If I'm believing there's nothing I can do, I've gone into a powerless view viewpoint because mm-hmm. the reality is rarely is there nothing I can do about a scenario. Yeah. Right. Like the, yeah. like life does have circumstances that are hard. Yeah. But there's a huge portion of how am I responding to it? What am I believing about it? How am I relating to it? And that's actually all on me. Yeah. And if I've taken the whole system and decided there's nothing I can do, I've moved into a powerless place. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like getting our power back takes a lot of like even using that example. I know so many people and myself like I'll tiptoe around and how do I say this in a way that doesn't set you off? And what do you think that's about? Yeah, I mean, more and more I've learned to have grace on myself where I'm like, how would I not have responded that way? Right. Like the more that I understand how our brains function, the more that I get that there is a hardwired system from the family dynamic we grew up in, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, of course I did that. Mm -hmm. And also, so I have compassion for it. I have understanding. This is so familiar for me. Yes. And because it's because I have compassion, then I can look at it and, and not feel shame. I can look at it and not be like, well, I have to ignore this because I feel shame that I did it. Mm-hmm. Instead, I can own, oh, yeah, that's what I was doing because it's what I was taught. And now I'm going to pivot because I don't want to do that. Yeah. 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 Now I'm going to respond differently. And so I remember my wife and I just went on a walk and I was like, babe, I can tell because of how I grew up. I've been tiptoeing around you and I'm feeling frustrated. I'm really sorry. I don't want to be frustrated at you. And have never brought it up. Yeah. And then we yeah. did get to work through like, sure, I own my side. And she got to be really kind. Like, oh, yeah, it would be really hard to be in this season with me where I'm falling apart a lot. So she was actually yeah. able to own her side and be really compassionate and understanding that that would still feel hard. Yeah. And I got to own my side of the scenario. Yeah. It's staying away from blame because I think when we feel powerless, we go into that blame, keeping a record of wrongs against people, you know, so. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, when we feel powerless, if we can't find a way to actually feel powerful internally, yeah. blame feels powerful because mm. it's your fault. So now yeah. I am blaming you. It feels like the way that I get to feel powerful in the scenario is to turn you into the villain in the situation, which is why I always know if I'm in victim villain storyline in my head, I've yep. gone into powerlessness. Yes, that's a good recognition. I love the exercise that you did with our students where you put on the board like demonstrations of like how society, how church, how our family kind of programs us to believe what power is. Um, I'd love you to go into like some examples of maybe like the misconceptions or the way that we try and get power like you just mentioned blame, but like, totally. yeah. What are some examples um, yeah. Yeah, that you've seen? So even for me, so like if I take my family, my dad, so it's not like most people are not just trying to be like monster people, right? We're not trying right. to hurt each other. We're not, we don't secretly have, most people are not secretly most having horrible people. intentions. Yeah. Some people sure, but some the majority it's not like, I really yeah. want to be ragey and yell and scream at you. Or I really want to feel 
controlling in relationships. Like most people aren't wanting to do that, but they feel scared and out of control. And in their unsafety, they're trying to figure out how to feel safe. Yeah. Most of us in our power dynamics, it's I feel unsafe. How do I get back to safety? Mm. Mm-hmm. And so we do that different ways. So like growing up for my dad, if he felt out of control or scared, he would use anger because anger felt powerful. Mm-hmm. And so he was trying to gain back power by being angry. So yelling, screaming, it was like a kind of like a power dynamic. If I can be higher up on the food chain, if I can have dominance, then I can make everyone function the way I want them to. So I can feel safe again. Yeah. My mom Often for her, and actually I just thought of a few, but one is she, it'd be kind of like if she felt small internally, if she felt shame or embarrassment, then if she could kind of criticize you, then you would feel small and she wouldn't feel so little anymore. Mm. So it was her trying to be like, oh, I feel, I feel little and you feel bigger. If I can cut you a little bit, then we're both little. So I'm not, I'm not small anymore. Yeah. Or. Yeah. I love how you bring up criticism because I think that subconsciously because of how I grew up, it felt like the critical person was the most powerful person. Oh, yeah. Because they said all the things that are kind of true, like they're saying kind of common sense things. Mm. And so for me, I used to associate like being good and right with the critical people. And so for me, I would always want to win over. This is my fawn response. Mm. Let me win over the most critical person in the room. Oh, and, which even that, that yeah. is you trying to be powerful. Yes. If I can win over yes. the critical person, or for me, it was more like how I felt powerful or important is if I can win over the important person in the room. So like if there is a leader, if I can win them over, it means that I'm good and good enough and powerful and important. And so that's what I did would be, I'd go into performance. How do I win over the person that feels important? Cause then that makes me feel like I'm powerful and I'm important. Yes. That's such a good example. Yeah. I was just thinking people do this all the time in relationships. We're constantly trying to figure out how to feel powerful again. So like for my mom, one would be if she felt hurt, then I'm going to cold shoulder you. And by cold shouldering you, now I'm in the power stance because you're you're on the outside. You're trying to figure out what you did wrong. And so now you're going to pursue me. And it's it, what's felt like powerful for her was if I do cold shoulder, then I have the power back and you're trying to win me over instead of I feel hurt by you. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I meet with a lot of couples where I can tell, oh, you guys are just back and forth trying to feel powerful mm-hmm. in your dynamic, in your doing these behaviors that really, when we look at them, we're like, oh, this is like childish behavior. Yeah. But it's because we're trying to feel powerful in a dynamic. Mm-hmm. Totally. And culturally, so if we take it beyond just me sharing about my family, culturally, a huge one, like, I mean, you all, we all know this, but like um, notoriety, if I'm like high up in a company, oh, the CEO, like you can, you can even watch, like I have a couple of friends who started businesses and people will interact with you differently. It's like the higher up you are, the chain, the more it's like flattery. Like, I'm like, why why are you responding? That's just like a normal person. But it's because the the idea is that, oh, they're powerful Mm -hmm. and I want to win over the powerful person. Or we'll do it with finances. The more money you make, we decide the more powerful you are. It's why like, um, I don't know if you go to like a, I live in San Diego. So all of a sudden things like this, 
you like can go place and it feels like it matters more like what do you do how like oh where do you live oh you live in that part of san diego wow it's like you yeah. can tell people are doing this like game of sizing up yeah are they and oh you live you live west of the five wow you live by the water what then all of a sudden it's like mm. the intrigue is peaked because somehow you're making enough to live on this side of the highway yeah <laughs> but you know it's like it's them doing that game in their head of importance yeah. and powerful and what matters yeah totally um and then even we talked about it in well actually i just thought of one in relationships i think people do it um women will do it okay well both genders will do it but i remember taking a women's studies class in college and it was like the new thing when i was in university for women to use their sexuality to feel powerful so oh yes. if you're gonna objectify me then i'm gonna use it against you and yes. i know that you're sucked in and i will use it so i feel powerful over you yes yeah. i don't know if that connects to you if you've been around that at all yeah i mean i have um like i have well i notice this dynamic sometimes like even in dating a guy mm -hmm. with mom issues th there can be this i want to win over that powerful woman and make her <clears throat> feel powerless like I've had these dynamics where I'm like, why do I feel so powerless to this guy? Totally. And it's because they have this thing of like, I am trying to win over and like kind of feel empowered mm. in my mom dynamic. Totally. So, so I think like it goes kind of both ways. Like I think women can use their sexuality to feel powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... And it, Which, like, truthfully, probably both genders can do that. I have just... Totally. I've not really seen men... I mean, I've yes, I've definitely seen men use their sexuality, but I think, yes, it's probably more common for women yeah. to use it. But, yeah, it's like a... Or yeah. I've seen men do it in a way of if they can win over the, like, really pretty girl. It's like, yes. like there's a thing in masculinity often where it's like, oh, if I have the hottest girl totally. under my arm, it means that I, I am the yeah. best or the most powerful and because i will meet with these guys i'm like you're being dumb like she's yeah. really cute you're fine but yeah. it's if it's even the idea in their head that if yeah. it's like the hottest girl yeah then i am like the most important person the most powerful i'm like head honcho with the bros yeah and i think i even felt that pressure i think growing up with the kind of guys that i grew up in it was like if you're if you have the perfect body as a woman, mm. you will have power. And if you can win over the powerful guy, you're good. But I think the more healthy and more secure I've become, you can kind of spot that and go, oh, totally. that's really insecure. <laughs> like totally. Which even that, I love that for you. It's really yeah. connecting. The more that you're present with yourself, yes. the more you're okay with who you are, the yeah. less you're needing that to feel powerful. It's like, oh, I don't even know if I like that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I, yeah. yeah, that's like not a dynamic I'm trying to be a part of. Totally. I, mm. It's it's very interesting. Once you learn to be empowered yourself, you don't feel at the mercy of these societal um, beliefs, like with totally. wealth or with who's prettier, who's skinnier, who's mm. you know got the six pack or whatever. Like you don't play totally. really into that as much. Yeah. And even we talked about, I think you mentioned maybe church. I'm not sure. Yeah. But a yeah. big one for me, because I grew up 
my parents are Christians. I grew up in a more Christian environment. Yeah. And I feel like the ultimate power card internally for me in that was like, it's kind of honestly like self-righteousness. It is yes. when we when we connect to the knowledge of good and evil, it's judgment yes. of good and bad. And if I could live in where I'm doing power to me was like every time judgment happens, I'm always on the good side. Yeah. Like if you look at my life, I'm good. If you look at like my thoughts, I'm never jealous. I'm never judging someone. It was, mm. it really was, I can do enough good things. Yeah. To like, if there's like a, I don't know, a list with a line on the middle and I'm often on the good side of the list, then I am powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd swing a lot in my connection mm-hmm. to myself and my beliefs about who I was because I was trying so hard to be on the good side. Yeah. Um, and the more I was on that side, the more I felt important. The more, the more I believed that in church they would trust me, the more I believed that they would make me a leader, empower me because I was doing all the right things. And it was kind mm-hmm. of like a ladder that if I was good enough, I could climb. And the higher I got, the better I was. And the better I was, the more powerful I was, the more important I was. Yeah, It has taken a long time for me and I'm still working on it because it's so ingrained in me to get out of that system. Yes, it's so true. Like I notice in me if like, and this is kind of winning approval, like if the leader I most respect in church Mm -hmm. thinks I'm good, then I'm good. Then Then I'm somehow righteous or something. And then it creates this like performance. Um, but I think because I think religion is such a good one to talk about because you're a life consultant, I'm a life coach. Like I think part of what we're working with people is we have to really kind of clear out the clutter, the religious blocks mm. that hold people back from being empowered. I think that um, because really like the whole idea of the gospel is that you're filled with power and and, but we don't but we live so powerless and passive in our life because of a lot of the times it's religious blocks and programming so i'd love Mm. to hear from you like what are some blocks you mentioned like this idea of good and bad and judgment Um, can you dive a bit more into like, what are some religious blocks that you see in people and maybe you've worked through? Um, yeah. I mean, there are some ones that I've had to undo, like even it's interesting. Sometimes even just the way that churches, um, put together creates a power dynamic where like, yeah. oh, there's one speaker who speaks every week and they're on a stage and they're above everyone else. And yeah, and they talk down to the congregation. Yeah, they talk. Yeah. It's like yeah. some there's like even like levels like yeah. visually and yeah. and things like that create power dynamics that make it feel confusing. So then it's you're on a pedestal, which makes you yeah. and historically speakers in that dynamic have not always been like here's some of the stuff i'm going through so it feels very like oh they're perfect and they have it all together they're they're good if we're talking about good and evil they're really good yeah they're so good that they're teaching all of us how to be good yeah and it creates this dynamic of i'm trying to be good like you're good instead of i'm trying to be human like you're human yeah yeah who needs a jesus (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it really is crazy often what like that's why I love Jesus. He came, he, everything he did was to like level the playing field. He did the yeah. opposite of power dynamics. He did. Oh, it's, it's like with the, when the Pharisees bring the woman caught in adultery and he's like, Oh, who's not, who's never messed up. Yeah. He's bringing them onto a human level. He's like, Oh no, you guys think that you're better than her. Yeah. Have you never sinned? Oh, you have. 
okay, yeah, yeah, you're human, huh? Yeah. And then with her, it's like she thought she was the worst. Like she's down in the dirt. He's like, hey, mm-hmm. who's condemning you? Oh, no one is. Yeah, yeah, you're human too. Yeah. He's bringing everyone to human level where we're all, all yeah. have, we've all messed up. We all need help. Like the gospel is only good because it covers all of us. Yeah. If I was good enough, I'm like, I'm actually like not that needy with the gospel. Then yeah. what's the point? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people have a block um, because I think that self-love is a great way of finding mm. empowerment because I think that love is the most empowering thing. It's the most transformative thing. Um, but one block that I come up against with Christians a lot of the times is that self-love is selfish. So mm. I'd love to, you or what you've spoken about this quite a bit, but I'd love totally. you to like hit that one. Like, what do you think when people say that? Yeah. I mean, I, here's the reality. I think the fruit of love will always be good. Yes. Like if, if it's actually love, there's a difference yes. in like pride or arrogance, like, totally. but even arrogance, I'm like, if I'm being arrogant, it's not actually that it's, it's cause I don't have self-love. If I have yeah. arrogance as I'm proving something about myself. Mm-hmm. If I love myself, I don't have to prove anything. Yeah. Pride is I'm proving that I'm good. Mm-hmm. If I really love who I am, I have no need to prove I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually think when I think about the, the truth of love is if I really let love meet me in my messiest, most broken places, it's really the seasons where I felt the most messed up and yeah. let God love me and turn toward love to myself, the more I've really understood the goodness of the gospel. Cause I'm like, oh, yeah. No, I'm as messed up as everyone else. Like, yeah, <laughs> this has been one of the hardest years for my wife and I, just because mm-hmm. we had our first kid and we moved, we had a kid, she started a new job. So like all the things that you do that are new, we yeah. did them. Yeah. And I was like wrestling with acceptance for myself. And I was like, why does this year yeah. feel so hard? And I realized, oh, I'm just a messier person version of myself than I've ever been. I'm a version yeah. where like in normal life I could journal and I could pray like all the things that you do to like, you know, regulate be healthy and good, good and yeah, regulate. Yeah. I was like, I can't yeah. do a lot of those. Like yeah. if I'm triggered mm-hmm. and my baby's scream crying, I have to take care of the baby. Yeah. And I just learned what I realized was, Oh, this is like Marcus. If, if across the board, I'm 30% less to give in life because this child is asking so much of me. Yeah. I have not learned to love that version of myself. Yes. And I had to learn to love a version that I had never been acquainted with before. Mm -hmm. And the more that I'm doing that, the more, the more it's like, oh yeah, the love of God is so important because I'm realizing I can't do it on my own. I'm actually not enough, which is everything that Jesus was trying to get people to see. Mm -hmm. You actually can't do it on your own. There is a need for the love I have for you. Yeah. And when I think about loving myself, all I think is it's not like I'm conjuring up something that's not existent like love exists because of the nature of god all i'm doing is directing his nature towards my life yeah right like i can either partner with the love of god towards my life or i can partner with judgment i can partner with criticism i can partner with shame and it's just the intentional choice i will find where there is love and i will direct it towards myself yeah i'm going to intentionally partner with what does love sound like what does love feel like? What does love act like? What's the response of love? Which is God. What's resp- how, does, how does God respond? How does he feel towards me? What does he think about me? And I'm connecting to that nature and I'm turning it towards myself. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think God likes that. 
God yeah. likes when I connect to the reality of who he is or myself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you're talking about different versions of yourself because, and then there's like a grief period that usually we're not aware of where you're kind of disorientated. You have a kid kind of needing you all the time. Totally. Yeah. And, and so you're probably judging yourself because why can't I be old season? Marcus, uh, yeah. It was you know? so hard. Yeah. 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 Did you like one of, yeah. Did you have a point where you realized you were like needing to grieve? <laughs> I mean, yes, for sure. There was like the yeah. grief of, oh, yeah, I'm, this is different. Yeah. And more than anything, which I guess the part of part of acceptance is grieving, right? You you yeah. grieve what was so you can accept what is. Yeah. And one of the biggest things I had to work on was acceptance. Like I've, yes. I'm accepting this is where I'm at right now and that's okay. Yeah. And I can be loved right here. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. And great. I don't know how long it's going to last. Yeah. But if I can get to acceptance, like it's kind of like the idea that, and this is even the idea of being powerful. There is pain in life, right? It's mm -hmm. just part of being human is that pain happens, right? Having yeah. a kid, it's a choice we make because we wanted to, and there was pain involved. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's pain in the whole process. It's, it's like, any version of stretching and change involves pain. Mm -hmm. So there's part of pain of life. And then there's the unnecessary pain or the pain that we add from our own perspective. Yeah. And I realized, oh, my, inability to accept what this season is is causing me unnecessary pain oh yeah and being powerful is i can i can change that i can't change having a kid like sure there are things like I, we can learn how to like soothe her we get, like there are parenting yeah. tips but like at the end of the day she's a baby and there are going to be nights where she cries and we don't sleep yeah and then it's out of control yeah and that then there's going to be days where because we didn't sleep in friendship i have nothing to give Right. Yeah. It's like every area. I was like, I have less to give. Yeah. And other seasons, like, I'm so good at being a friend and I'll call you and I'll pursue you. I'm like, I have nothing. If you want to come and like sit on the couch and watch a TV show, cool. Mm -hmm. But like, that's what I have. Yeah. Totally. And the more that I could let go of my judgments, yeah. The more actually empowered I was in acceptance. Yeah. That's so powerful. And I think you're bringing up a great point because. I think even being life coaches or consultants or counselors, mm. or if, some, if someone's a pastor or in ministry, there is this kind of huge shame around or perfectionism of like, I've even people like, you've got to have your life pretty together. Like you've got to have your life together. And um, I think that sometimes in my messier seasons, especially when you know all the stuff, like totally you, oh, like 100%. you know all the healthy things to do but like what i've also learned is our nervous system when we go through things if we don't know how to calm our nervous system we're a, kind of a different person and i think what i love about the gospel it talks about god's power being made perfect in our weakness mm. and i think one of the passion translations it says that um our weakness becomes a portal for god's power and so i think that the way to experience that is through self-acceptance like kind of what you're talking about and i think it because we're a witness to our life often and i don't know about you but i'll be like critiquing my life of how i should have shown up better or how i could have done things better and then what i'm really doing is being the biggest bitch to myself <laughs> totally yeah and i'm i'm not actually 
being with myself. I'm not mm. connecting to compassion towards myself. And then that usually creates even more conflict. Totally. Um, but I think like, but there is kind of this stigma in perfectionism, like in leadership or yeah, all of that where you do feel like you have to perform. So how do we get out of judgment cycles towards ourselves? Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I think I'm learning it. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I'm, I've learned a lot, a lot of it and I'm still learning it. And in yeah. seasons, each season where I go through something, I learned it a little bit more. Yeah. Um. Well, part of it, I would just, I when I recognize I'm doing it, like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. I'm going into judgment. Mm. I'm going into performance and pivoting into compassion. Yeah. Like, okay, Marcus. Yeah, it's true. You mm. were being so codependent in that dynamic. And then compassion yeah. is, okay. And that's because you moved to a new city and you didn't mm. have any friends and you needed mm. connection and you were really scared mm -hmm. and you were doing a really human thing, which is I'll do anything I need to do to get love. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You were trying to survive and feel safe in yeah. the only way you know how. I see you. Mm-hmm. And how and then, do you, yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, then, then like, okay, and what's the pivot? Because I want to take care of my heart. Mm -hmm. And pivot isn't like, how do I be better? It's just, I've already gone to acceptance here. I'm already, yeah. I'm for me no matter what. Yeah. What behavior, what system is life-giving for me? Mm, yeah. What does that look like to walk that out? Yeah. And what you're really talking about, because I think where we hold our power is when we believe that we're worthy of love, mm. like whether we're performing well or not, like whether we're, I don't know, showing up well or not. And I think what you just did, the demonstration of like showing yourself compassion, <clears throat> turning towards yourself rather than working against yourself, you're actually saying like, you're worthy of love. Like you don't have to perform. And um, there's a book and it talks about internal goals versus external goals. Ooh, and good. the idea of internal goals is there are things that I can feel successful at no matter what. Mm -hmm. And often what we're doing is building our life on external goals, which external goal would be like, I'm doing the emotionally healthy behavior every time. Yeah. I'm never codependent. I am perfect at doing my finances. Mm -hmm. I budget every month. Like it's like we have all these goals and some of them are good, right? Like I want to save this much money. I want right. to, I want to be married and have kids by this mm -hmm. age. Like we have goals. Goals are good. Yeah. But if my power, if my belief about my powerfulness is built on external goals, yes. then I'm going to turn against myself or I'm going to feel like powers to life. I'm going to think I'm a victim. Internal goals mm. are things like, I want to go to compassion when I make mistakes. Yes. Okay. Well, then I can turn towards compassion in a mistake anytime. Mm -hmm. Internal goals are I want to get really good at saying yes to love at every step along the way. Yeah. I can make internal goals that regardless of any yeah. external scenario, so good. I can still be winning at them. Mm. Those are things yeah. where it's like, oh, even that, like, let's say one of my internal goals is I want to be really good at having self-compassion and love towards myself. Mm -hmm. Then even if I go into like, I'm like, I realize, oh, I've been judging myself all day for that conversation I had. And I, I was on that podcast and I said that thing that was really stupid. Yeah. And I realize it. 
Well, mm-hmm. I can pivot and be like, oh, heart, I'm sorry I've been judging you. I really yeah. care about you. I see that you're worthy of love. Mm-hmm. And I can still actually win at my internal goal because I brought love in there. Yes, that's so good. I love that. I love that. And I think that was what I wanted to hit in closing was around like, how do we actually uncover our power? Mm. And I think that like, also, even like you talked about relational dynamics, but I think a way that we can uncover our power is through having boundaries. Because sometimes we're like, why did that boss make me work past my 5 p.m. again like we feel powerless and like we don't have a choice um so I think boundaries are a great way to get your power back but what are some other practical kind of action steps yeah and even with boundaries I think this is a helpful clarification yeah often what we learn in boundaries is like boundaries are against someone because they're bad so like my boss is bad so I'm putting this boundary on them because they're bad Mm -hmm. instead of if if we can get present with ourselves so I'm connected to my true self, I'm connected to my heart, then boundaries become what is okay for me, what works best for me. Even there can be someone and like, it could be a friendship and I'm like, I'm getting triggered all the time in this friendship. And some of it is the behavior they're doing triggers me, but, and I work through it and I can just decide, oh, I'm not at a place yet where I can be around that person and not be triggered. And that's not fun for me. So I'm setting a boundary, not because they're a villain. I'm setting it because for me, I need something different. Yeah. And so recognizing my boundaries are for me and what makes yes. my heart feel safe and secure and at peace, not my boundaries are against the system. My boundaries are against this person. Even that is a more powerful way to view boundaries. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And I think you have to have clear vision to know mm. why you're putting in a boundary because it's otherwise it's all in reactivity. It's walls up. But I love totally. how you put that. It's like, actually, how do I cultivate safety? Yeah. Uh, which is another way of getting healthy power. Yeah. Cultivating safety. How do, what do I need? And even so that can be nervous system. What does my body need? Do I need to go on a run? Do I need to, do I need to do stretching? Do I need to do some deep breathing exercises? Like, is there a physical thing I need to do to create safety with myself? Yeah. Yeah. And so in closing, like you mentioned, because like, sort of being powerless is like, like you mentioned, like we don't have choices. Like we Mm -hmm. feel like we don't have a choice. I think in some scenarios, like I know, like in my past, like feeling powerless with money, like, oh, I don't have a choice. Like I can't go do that thing because I don't have enough or like Mm -hmm. that feeling of, yeah, like when you really do feel like I cannot see a secret option C here. Totally. Option A and option B and that's it. Like, yeah. so so how would you help someone find secret option C? I think yeah. that's a I mean, stumble term, but. I love that. Every yeah. time in that, what, I could, what I'll work on internally for me or with someone else is A, where did I learn that? So I can work, I can work on the, the, the coding inside yeah. of me. I can work on, there is a, reason that I believe I have no options. Mm-hmm. There's a system that I grew up in that is affecting how I believe about finances. And that's just true. Yes. Oh, 100%. And I'm like, regardless, like, let's say in my bank account, I don't have the money to do X, Y, Z yet. Okay. Yeah. So that's not a thing yet, but where can I feel powerful? Okay. I can look at, I can look at how I grew up in the beliefs about finances. I can look at what am I believing now about finances that isn't serving me? 
So I would literally think if there's an area I'm feeling hopeless or powerless, I'll sit down and think, what are my beliefs there? Yeah. And where do they come from? That's so good. Because the fruit of your life will often match the beliefs under the surface. Yes. And it's like, okay, I'm what I'm recognizing the fruit is not what I want. Okay. Mm-hmm. What beliefs do I want to work on so that I see different fruit? Yeah. Wow. That's so good. I love that. So, so like, yeah, so I'll write out what I'm believing yeah. and see like, okay, where are the beliefs in here that aren't serving me? And then I'll think, what do I want to believe? Yeah. That's so good. And, and then if I can connect to that, once, once I get to what I want to believe, I'll literally imagine because they, they, the way your brain works, if you can vividly imagine and connect emotions to an, a vivid imagination, that actually is what deepens brain ruts. So I'll like sit and think, like I would literally just sit and think, my wife and I did this recently because we want to have a house in San Diego. So we'll just sit and because sometimes we're like, how do you do it? Like a two yeah. bedroom house is a million dollars. Like who's yeah. buying houses in San Diego? And and I'll realize, oh, I'm feeling hopeless. Okay. Instead of getting trapped in hopelessness, right? Because that's a great example, feeling powerless. I feel powerless to buying a house. Yes. And we both make good, normal people money. Yeah. But like yeah. buying a four bedroom family house is like multiple million dollars. Like I can get into a, there's yeah. no hope. What's going to happen? How will we ever do it? Do we have to move? I can, mm-hmm. I'm getting trapped in a hopeless cycle. Yeah. So we'll just sit and we'll imagine what will it be like to have a house here? Like what, what would I imagine? I feel like, oh, we'll wake up and we'll open our doors and we'll feel the ocean breeze. And we're just practicing yeah. in faith with God, imagining a future where that exists. Yeah. That's or we'll so go good. on runs and I'll be like, I want that house. Or I, and we're like, we're like practicing engaging with yeah. different beliefs than what our hopeless feelings are telling us. Yeah. And I think also we need to see to believe it could be possible. So I know a lot of the times some people can be working on their belief systems, but they're not expanded enough to believe that that could happen to them too. So I think testimony is really powerful in like, wow, this person, they earned the same amount as us and they didn't have like rich inheritance come in, Totally, but they were able to get a deal, like finding um, stories Mm. that help change your mindset and find proof. Because I think when we're stuck and powerless, our provers are like, see, nothing's going to work out. Mm. Like you're not going to get what you want. And so I love that you're talking about, yeah, rewiring and using imagination. Or even like I'm saying you don't have options. I know part of what happens in your brain when you're triggered is it can't see options. It can't, it can only see black and white. And so I'll literally call a friend. Hey, I can tell I can't see options. Can you tell me options? That's What do you you think are options in scenario? Because I can't get there right now, but I want truth. Yeah. I know that my prover is telling me, it's black and white. Like you, you can't buy a house. It's never going to work. Like, okay. Yeah. Calling a friend. Can you tell me options? Yeah. Oh yeah. Someone could give me a house. There could be a old couple who wants to invest in families and they're like, we'll give it to you really cheap because we believe in family systems. Like anything could yeah. actually happen. Yeah. I'm just in my blurred vision, not seeing all the options. And so yeah. you can invite people into helping you. Mm-hmm. I'll connect to like, what's true about the nature of God. Mm-hmm. because big, yeah. that trumps yeah. the circumstance in front of me. <laughs> yeah, totally. Wow. That's so good. That's awesome. Well, was there anything in closing that you would want to say to someone who is in that place? And maybe you've already said it, but like, 
that you would say to someone who is mm. maybe in a rock bottom, like they're either they went through a divorce or mm. they or they're, I don't know, in a financial rut or something like what what would you say to them? Because I can imagine that would feel really powerless, you know. <laughs> Sorry about that. You're good. Yeah, I mean, first off, I have a lot of compassion. I am really sorry that the current spot you're in at life feels really hard. Mm. And I understand with how most of us grew up in the systems we grew up in, that the powerless feelings feel really real. Mm. And I would tell them there is always hope. Mm -hmm. There is always life. Like, even if there's like a seed of hope there, there is so much room for life to grow. And yeah. so... I am a firm believer in that as we pivot and connect to truth, we'll actually produce good fruit. Yeah. I, I just, I just, it's just true. Like you can't plant an orange seed and if you water it and it gets sun, it will produce an orange tree, which will produce mm. oranges. Yeah. Same with like principle with our lives. If we are connected to love and truth, we will end up mm. eventually producing the fruit we're looking for. Yeah. That's so good. So even just like the hope. Yeah. In the middle of the crap. Mm -hmm. If you can find some seeds inside of you and start planting that and yeah. watering it, you will eventually see some version of the fruit you're looking for. Yeah. That's so good. Awesome. Well, you guys can always reach out to Marcus for a consulting session. Um, I will have your details in the show notes. But thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. So much fun. So fun so fun. Thanks for listening today. Please download, share with your friends and write a review. If you would like to book in a life coaching session with me, go to my website at www.ella-hooper.com or follow me on Instagram at Next Brave Thing Podcast.